Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the Market Bites podcast. Uh, Josh is smiling at me here, which is making me in a very good mood. Josh, how are you? I just love the open, Sam. Just so much <laughs> optimism on a on a on a what Wednesday morning for you? Yeah, just really brightened me up on my uh, on my Wednesday evening. I'm good. I'm good though. I'm good. Well, look, markets are green. We've had a good quarter. April is one of the best months of the uh the year for the stock market if not the best month um with all the flows that come in i think there's a, a few reasons dedicated to that with all the bonuses and end of the tax year and a lot of rebates as well a lot of that money goes on the stock market so the flows help massively in april um i will not be responsible if april is a bad month though but you've been warned it could be good uh how's the week been been up to anything interesting uh can't say anything too interesting we did just re- uh, record our uh q2 outlook with the sort of a look back at q1 of how that performed so that will be available for everyone to watch over uh the next coming week which is uh is going to be pretty exciting we'll probably bring that out as a podcast episode so people can listen as well with uh with ben and with ben and callie um but no nothing too exciting markets keeping us on our toes as usual yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that'll be available for those that are watching on YouTube uh, or prefer to watch on YouTube on, on Monday, on uh, on Monday. And then I'll also put that on the podcast as well. So if you are someone who prefers to listen on the go, then that will be available for you too. Uh, of course, this weekend, big weekend in the world of football, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Josh, I'm going to need... I'm going to need you to do with me a favour and just tell Jurgen, let Arsenal win. You know, your way we've, you, way we've played, mate, the last two games. I don't need to tell Jurgen <laughs> anything, mate. Yeah. He's just going to lose that game by himself. So that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's annoying because you've got the third best form at home, away from yeah. home. It's just not as good, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, big, big weekend ahead. And of course, those that like their golf. Um, and it's quite interesting, actually. A lot of traders I know really like their golf. I wonder if there's some sort of parallel there with the psychology, maybe, that they like. But uh, the Masters is starting tomorrow. Uh, so if anyone has some interesting picks, let me know, because I'm in the market at the moment having a look um, at uh, who I want to go with. Um, <clears throat> for those that are thinking, Sam, Josh, get on with it. We're about <laughs> to. Uh, and this week we've got our three topics uh, for, for us to cover. Number one, 
is going to be talking about the recent moves in oil price. We'll also look at non-farm payrolls, which is coming out this week. And then we can have a good wrap up of crypto. Josh, how does that sound? Yeah, sounds sounds good to me. Um, might also just be worth a mention uh, that we have seen the first signs of, of rate hikes coming to an end. Um, the uh, the Reserve Bank of Australia back down in here in Sydney, giving us a shout out. Um, paused yesterday. Um, so Reserve Bank of Australia pausing their rate hiking cycle. Held rates at three point six percent, and uh, and you know that they basically said that they were looking to to keep rates steady um, to to try and give themselves more time to assess the state of the economy uh, and the outlook, um, especially when there's you know so much on on sort of uncertainty and they also hinted at more tightening if required so there's a chance that even though they've paused paused they could retighten if economic data doesn't work in their favor so the first sign of a slowdown in in rates and maybe that's going to be something to watch over the next couple of months from other central banks yeah one for the radar one for the radar we're just under 30 days away i believe um from the next fomc meeting uh, we'll talk about that as well in a little bit more detail. Uh, okay, so look, first types, uh, first subject for us, there were some really interesting developments over the weekend concerning oil prices. Crude oil gapped higher on Sunday evening from its Friday close, which in truth isn't massively uncommon for this commodity. And therefore, if you are new to markets as a trader, you, you have to be aware of that, that from you know when the market is closed you run the risk that it could happen you know there could be a geopolitical situation there could be you know supply and demand changes and that leads to these big gaps uh higher or some some cases lower for for crude oil so just just bear that in mind if you do want to hold a position when the market is closed you're running that risk um so yeah josh what 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 happens with with oil why did we have these recent fluctuations and how is it affecting you know broader markets well it all comes down to the cartel sam uh and and that is opec they've uh effectively taken everyone by surprise um you know i was watching bloomberg on on monday obviously the the day after this sort of happened really and all of the sort of the commodity experts were just sort of felt that this was completely out of left field. Um, and it was a cut of output by a million barrels a day in order to sort of lower supply in the market to sort of keep prices elevated. What that points to is them clearly being worried about the macro backdrop and expecting demand to ease over, you know, recession fears, which is a bit of a worrying outlook for oil for the year on one side, but the market is reading it differently. Um, and as I say, lots of commodity experts believe that this could drive oil back to $100 a barrel. Um, on top of that cut, we've also got the momentum from China re um, China reopening, which I think is a huge positive on the demand side. And it hasn't really started to flow through yet into sort of oil markets. Um, there's been you know, limited demand from, from China at the moment. But as that reopening really, really gets back into full swing, that demand is, I think, is is only going to sort of grow. Um, and we've seen about 11% rise in, in the last sort of five or so days from oil. And that comes after what was the worst quarter for oil since 2020. So it's a bit of a stark turnaround, um, you know, going into, into this, this quarter from, from last quarter. But in, in terms of, of impacting the economy, 
you know, there is a real threat here to to inflation, uh, which then makes the central bank's jobs more difficult once again. You know, if we just focus on the Fed here, well, well they are trying to control price pressures. So this really doesn't help. Although I would say that I think markets probably did expect oil to, to sort of bounce back. Um, we did see a you know pretty steep sell-off, but again, doesn't help. You know, higher oil prices will, will only sort of really feed into to inflation and, and make that battle for the Fed much harder. Um, and then another argument, just to sort of really balance this out, is that um, higher prices could dampen sentiment and, and therefore dampen demand as well. But I think that the cut is likely to mean that we see a deficit in the second quarter, which you know is only going to support prices and, and see more buyer demand rather than it going uh, the other way. I think we've got to go really much closer to a recession and, and to see you know you know the economic outlook deteriorate much more to see um, sort of demand dampened by by these sort of higher prices because. It's it's still high, um, but uh, you know they're not as high as what we've seen recently. So yeah, not great in terms of the inflation outlook, um, and also um, you know it's really going to make that job a, a little bit harder for for central banks if oil does continue to keep going higher and go back to a hundred dollars a barrel. Yeah, it's an interesting argument on both sides. I'm I'm on the on the, uh, on the side that I think it's going to help support oil prices in the the short medium term whereas obviously on the flip side the fact that you know you mentioned there about how it could dampen sentiment i like the idea there were people that i respect that were saying that uh on sunday evening monday morning for me yeah I, i'm not not on that but it's always important to have that balanced view isn't it i think some people yeah. and especially you see it on twitter they've got their their view and it's quite funny as well and i'm going to call them out here you know those people that have been super bearish on the market from well, for a while, in fairness, you give them their flowers, but October, November, December, January, February, this market's crashing. It's going to make a new low. We're in a bull market in the NASDAQ. We're 20% up from those lows. You know, hold the L is what I would say there. Um, oil prices, as you mentioned, they're obviously pushing higher, and it is a bit of a, a worry for the Fed. Um, and those bears out there might be a little bit happy, might be starting to get a little bit excited, it gives them something new to write about. Of course, with those higher oil prices that can, as you mentioned, lead to, you know, inflation pushing higher, you know, an increase in transportation and production costs because of oil can uh, ultimately, uh, you know, push those inflation prices up, which then lead to the Fed having to uh, potentially raise rates or as at the moment, you know, with the talk about the the pause and then the cut, that's pushed back further and, you know, things change. Um, speaking of the Fed, the next key thing that they're going to have a look at that they're going to consider is non-farm payrolls, which happens this Friday. For, for most parts of the world, Friday is a bank holiday, which kind of makes it a bit weird that they're deciding to release this data set on a bank holiday. I actually can't remember that this has happened before. Someone corrects me if that has. Um, I don't really see an issue with them delaying it by a week. Usually if there's a bank holiday on the Monday or, or a Tuesday, they push non-farm payrolls back to the second Friday of the month. Of course, it's usually the first Friday. So for me, it doesn't quite make sense, but it uh, just means that uh, the volatility on the day is is going to be less. Um, anyway, what are we looking at? What was expected? The consensus 
is for a 240k non-farm payroll number to be added from the month of March. Unemployment rate unchanged at 3.6, which is really solid. The three-month averages, which a lot of people care about, 351,000 the six-month is 336 and the 12 month is 362 so consensus would mean lower than all of those uh it is also worth noting non-fund payrolls for 12 months in a row has beaten the expectation so you know what's going to happen here it's going to be the one time that it doesn't which will be great for markets though uh by the way average earnings another thing that the fed are keeping an eye on to the scene growing at 0.3 month for month a touch quicker than the 0.2 that we saw from the February report, but may drag down the annual uh, measure down to 4.3 for the year on year from 4.6. The average hours uh, for the work week are expected to be unchanged as, as well. So if everything comes in in line, I think the Fed will be relatively happy. Um, it The recent data set does cover the period prior to the recent regional bank crisis so you know one thing just to, to bear that in mind analysts suggest that banking issues are likely to have a limited impact on the u.s labor demand more broadly so don't expect too many fireworks there of course if there is then the market's going to move off that weekly jobless data claims uh coincide with the establishment survey window declined meaning sub two hundred thousand uh number highlighting ongoing tightness in the labor market so what does this all mean of course we have to wait to see whether it's better worse or in line with with expectations um we've got to wait to see how it plays out on friday or monday and monday's a bank holiday as well so maybe even tuesday when the majority of the market comes in um what would be a worse report so for, for here a worse report would be a very very solid jobs number you know north of 250,000 closest to that 300,000 average hours up you know and people will be saying well why, why would that be worse well you've got you know you've got more people in jobs more people earning money well if more people in jobs and more people earning money what they're doing they're spending more spending more leads to more inflation etc etc so a worse uh report there it's just something just to, to think about in fact it would probably increase that chance of a further 25 basis point hike and also the date of a cut would have to be priced into markets later on on the flip side a good report if we are to get a lower number average hours down even on unemployment up as well this is going to increase the chance of a cut coming sooner and that also there may well not be another hike at the moment it's will they will they not at the uh the next rate decision in 30 odd days as well um it's going to be an interesting report we've still got you know a gdp number an inflation number uh, another non-farm payrolls number i think actually as well uh before actually no that's a lie before the next fmc meeting but uh yeah josh one to certainly keep an eye on uh it's just a shame in a way that it's a bank holiday yeah and uh look i mean i think you hit the nail on the head in terms of that data all this incoming data for the fed is is going to be so important right now not that it wasn't before but in this current environment it's it's huge right markets have have gone from pricing in two to three more hikes to now rate cuts for this year despite jay powell's comments of of no rate cuts in sight um 
But I had a quick look earlier. Market expectations are increasingly expecting another hike. Mm-hmm. The pause is is still is still the favourite on the cards. But yeah, that, that's, it's sort of a, about a 55, um, 45% split at the moment. So yeah, pretty, pretty even and pretty close because it was, you know, it was tipping the scale to a pause about mm-hmm. 85% just over a week ago. So a big change there. It goes to show how quickly it all can change. And with, you know, a, a lot of data still to come out and I'll run through some of that at the back end of the podcast. There's a lot that can change with those expectations and, and what the market's going to price in for the Fed. Our, our final subject today is crypto. Uh, a very strong start to the year has got investors and traders excited. I'm sure we've all got sorry friends out there that have texted us that haven't texted us for a while uh, i keep getting someone saying talk about dogecoin talk about shiba um and there you go i've just did it um so that's uh that's something ticked there for um a, a favor i owe a friend uh how are you seeing things at the moment in in the crypto world what are you keeping an eye on how do you feel about the asset class going forward I mean, we do have an excuse to talk about Dogecoin this week, don't we? With, we do, with, um, yes. Elon, yes. Elon Musk <laughs> wildly changing uh, the Twitter Incredible. picture to the Doge picture. What can you do? Elon's just going to Elon, isn't he? He is just going to do yeah. what he wants to do. Um, but as you say, a complete turnaround for the books for crypto. Um, the, the worst performing asset year to date last year. Now the best performing asset year to date. Um, so definitely not easy being a crypto investor that's for sure no. um but the main driver of this recent rally has of course been that change in expectations of you know the the faster fall in in inflation and sooner than expected cut to to rates from from the fed with investors therefore feeling more confident taking on risk given that um we also had some big moves from from crypto particularly bitcoin after the banking issues that we saw Look, I don't think that these were the main drivers, but I do think it feeds into the narrative a little bit. Um, ultimately, if investors are feeling uneasy about centralized banking systems, they will turn to decentralized assets such as Bitcoin or Ethereum. We saw a similar boost come around when we had the geopolitical tensions between Russia and Ukraine first start off. We saw a lot of flows into to, to sort of decentralized assets. So I think it's sort of a, a similar theme there. You know, banks faced issues like in in Russia. Banks faced issues in the U.S. You know, Bitcoin does its thing, settles transactions in seconds, allows people access to their capital at any point. Um, and interestingly, having a look at this cycle earlier, Bitcoin is actually outperforming most other crypto assets, um, especially smaller altcoins, which is pretty unusual during crypto rallies. And I think that points towards investors wanting a bit of a haven in those larger assets. You know, we had you know some really difficult times in 2022. So um, they're they're not getting caught up too much on altcoins, but instead wanting to to go for those assets where they can you know see a bit of security. Um, then I think you know the the look ahead for the rest of the year. I think there's plenty to to be sort of hopeful for. I think the the current environment, as I say, that lower inflation outlook. Um, you know, the peak of interest rates is, is supportive for crypto and I think will help it throughout the rest of the year. We've then got important upgrades across the board. We've got Shanghai on Ethereum. We've got uh, the Bitcoin halving in 2024. I've spoke about it a lot, but I think that that's a key, key event because investors are already positioning for that. Go back in history, um, you know, you know, 
doesn't uh, markets don't repeat themselves, but they certainly do rhyme. And uh, I think Bitcoin halvings are, are a great focus of that, given how well they have performed on the back of halving cycles. Then we can look at institutional adoption, certainly slowed down since 2022, um, given the events that have happened, whether that's SVB, FTX, whatever it is. But I still think that we're, we're seeing headway being made. We're still seeing groundwork um, go, you know, happen by a lot of these big institutions. You know, BlackRock just recently um, wanting to, to offer access to crypto for their clients. We've got Goldman Sachs, very similar. Um, so again, that, that has slowed down. But I still think that there's, you know, progress being made there. And then I think finally, we can also see from the retail investor beat survey that investments into crypto have remained steady as well. Um, investors, you know, bought the dip in 2022 during that bear market. Um, and I think they showed continued support for, for, for crypto. And, and I think the key thing with it is that the one of the takeaways from that survey as well is that the reason for owning this asset is because they believe it's transformative and they believe in the future of the asset. So our investors aren't holding crypto short term, they're looking long term with this. So they're not so fussed about what happens, you know, in terms of short term movements, they're focused on longer term growth. And I think that's why they're sort of, um, you know, putting to the side what happened in 2022 and just trying to sort of tune that out and instead just looking ahead um, to, to, to what the future holds for crypto assets. Yeah, speaking of, of looking ahead, I, I mentioned I focus on, on the rest of the month as things that are coming out, which are going to move all markets and crypto included in that, certainly being still a risk asset. So what's the date? So it's the 5th, obviously non-farm payrolls um, comes on Friday. The the precursor for that US ADP employment on the Wednesday, not a massive correlation between the two, but I'm sure traders out there We'll be keeping an eye on that bank holiday Friday and Monday. You've got Chinese inflation next week. You've got the FOMC minutes, the Bank of Canada announcement. And then also on the 12th, you've got the next US CPI. So keep a watch on that. That'll be 1.30 p.m. for those in the UK. ECB minutes also next week. US retail sales. Uh, you've got UK jobs report the week after with UK inflation uh, to and UK retail sales and UK and global PMI. So the week after the week of the 17th, a lot of focus will be on the UK there before the last week of the month, relatively quiet. Um, but you do have a couple of half interesting things there. USPC, the Fed's favorite inflation gauge. Um, so yeah, busy month ahead. Busy month. Haven't done, yeah, very busy month. I haven't done a, a quiz question, so I'm going to just make one up now. Um, <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that April uh, was the best market best month for the for the stock market and when you look at retail flows versus institutional flows we're going to focus on retail flows and i said april was also you know the best the biggest the most retail flows that that flow in which is the worst which which month of the year do we see the biggest outflows from retail um May. so have a little have a little think at home. I mean, May could be an interesting argument. I think people will will jump to it. it's wrong, but people would jump to it because of the whole selling May go right. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> but I think with a little bit of theory, and you you you'll be able to work this one out, Josh. So what have you? Yeah. So if you if you just think what like a a particular month where people around the world and certainly more of a western world are taking money 
December's low, but it's not. It's it's September, which is obviously historically a very poor month in markets. Now the reason is, um, you know, as summer comes, inflows stop and outflows begin. As people take money out to pay for university tuition, university tuition is sixty-three billion dollars a year, and most of that is pulled out of the five two nines, etc., which cash out of stocks in August, September. So. <laughs> Yeah, those are the uh, the sort of the reasons behind it. And it's quite interesting looking at the stock market. September is a bad month, but also, you know, you can sort of see uh, that sort of quiet appear from August. September is a bit of a lull. And then into the back end of the year, we start to pick up again. Uh, anyway, that's your quiz question for this, this week. And uh, Josh and I are going to wrap it there. We'll be back next week on Monday. Look out for the YouTube video on the quarter two outlook reviewing quarter one as well but i will also put that on the podcast josh it's been a pleasure my pleasure as well thanks everyone for listening see you all next time take care everyone trade safely you have been listening to digest and invest by etoro for more information use etoro.com 